1: Hello everybody, it's Claire Watkins here with an intro to this special edition of the Equalizer podcast. This is one of the interviews that Jeff did at Podcast Row at the United Soccer Coaches Convention. This particular conversation is with Elise LaHue, the general manager of Sky Blue FC conversation actually took place after the draft. So you can hear her talk about not only why Sky Blue is excited for the future and the moves that they've made leading up to draft day, but also the picks that they got and that big trade that sent Mallory Pugh to New Jersey. This was done, like I said, at podcast row. So there is a little bit of background noise, a little bit of a hiss, but we tried to equalize that down for you as well as we possibly could. So enjoy this conversation between Jeff Kasouf and Elise LeHue. All right, we're here at Podcast Row in Baltimore, United Soccer Coaches Convention. Another day in our wonderful ballroom here, our wonderful uh, convention center. Jeff Kasouf here with Sky Blue FC general manager, Elise LaHue. Thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me on.
1: Busy uh, busy week. She's got another cup of coffee here.
0: Remember, I uh, I would be embarrassed to tell you how many cups it's uh, been this week. It's, it's getting uh, to the irrational point.
1: A rough estimate? Like three a day, a day. Are we counting
0: just the regular or the decal too? Because <laughs> okay. I don't know if that counts. Yeah, uh, yeah dozens. It's uh, it's embarrassing.
1: Well, I mean, been a busy week for you. Uh, busy week for everybody. But Sky Blue, you know, uh, I don't know if it's talk of the town, but I mean, it's been a, a good topic, obviously. I'm sure a welcome one for, for you all from even a year ago. I mean, a, a lot of different trades, um, a lot of roster moves. Um, I guess you know, we can get into some of the specifics of it, but what overall for you, a good week on a roster team front?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we came into the week with a with a pretty robust plan, but uh, as all things go, you've got to have, you know, plan A through Z when it comes to uh, draft time. There's obviously uh, eight other teams that are also making moves and things are shifting and changing and flowing as you're here. So I would say you have to be nimble to the process, come in with a plan. Um, but you, you've already thought through all those other scenarios that could possibly come up. And, um, you know, with us, obviously, Pew was, was even a bit of a surprise for us going into draft day. We, we thought that was a discussion that had been tabled and was no longer going to happen. So uh, absolutely a pleasant surprise. So thrilled with the way, um, you know, our, our, our player turnout went um, on draft day and what we were able to do. Um, and obviously uh, picking up another player in Onamanu as well um, as, as part of our sort of uh, greater scheme that we're looking at here at Sky Blue and, and with our head coach Freya. Um, so yeah, absolutely thrilled with the week. It's, it's been exciting for Sky Blue, a lot of positive feedback for the club which just feels really good um, for me and for our staff, certainly for ownership as well. Um, this is the position we wanted to put Sky Blue in and feeling really good about the positive responses. Um, especially from our, from our own fan base back home to, to hear how proud they are of the club right now and how excited they are from, for season, but also other fans around the league giving mm-hmm. positive feedback. That's really, really meaningful to me, and I'm, I'm really grateful to um, fans of other teams saying that Sky Blue is not going to be their number two team. I will number take two. that. I'm, I'm right. cool <laughs> with it. I'm so cool with that um, and, and excited about that. But also, you know, having our own players, some of our players that have been at Sky Blue for years, um, were texting me the other day and, and saying this is the most excited they've ever been about going into preseason and that's really deeply meaningful for me to know that we're putting together a group that um, is going to be really excited to compete and at the end of the day, players just want to get better so they want a good training environment and they want the opportunity to to improve their skills every day. So hearing from our own players as well is really meaningful.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and Mallory Pugh you mentioned, um, I guess I'll encourage you if you're listening, go to equalizersoccer.com and you can read the several layers of trades that um, had to happen in this draft for things to happen, but um, just to simplify for listeners, I guess, the net result of many, one of the net results, um, acquiring Mallory Pugh, a, a U.S. national team player, um, one who I think kind of exploded onto the scene in terms of uh, I guess as media we love a good story, a teenager skipping college, going to the Olympics, a World Cup, um, has has had I think a lot of people objectively think maybe a bit of a plateau lately um, and and was not named to the Olympic qualifying roster of vlanovsky had uh, you know said you know, still wants to see some things out of her still believes in her but I know Freya Coom who, who you recently hired full you know permanently I guess is the word mm-hmm. from from an interim position last year um, I, I know she's very high on on Mallory Pugh's repuse potential um, what do you what do you look at and maybe you're speaking for her a little bit here but just kind of in terms of A player who has that potential maybe hasn't necessarily fulfilled it of late and yet when you're looking to acquire somebody and maybe take a risk on somebody i mean what are you looking for in those kind of scenarios when you make a deal
0: yeah i think you know just going back to sort of the beginning of your question i think we have a great example even on our own team with if you take carly lloyd You know, you you look at her career and the trajectory she had, and obviously that's a very different example. She's later in her career, but I think for her, being in a position where she wasn't starting anymore and being the, the type of personality that she is, that was a great motivator for her. And she came into our club season last year seen a Carly Lloyd on the on the club scene that I've never seen before, the way she's interacting with players on and off the field. So I think all players are motivated in different ways and have different catalysts. Um, so seeing Carly go through that process um, and, and the way she continues to push herself, I actually think is a great example for, for a player like Mal, who, who, as you mentioned, was recently not named to the roster in the full capacity. Um, but we've always been looking at Mal. I think she, she's only 21 years old. I mean, this is a player that's still at the very beginning of her career. And I think for a lot of players, if you um, maybe have gone through some injuries or, or get into a phase where you feel like you're starting to stagnate, a change of environment can be tremendous. A lot of times a move like that can help. So she's a player that we had always looked at that we felt would be really good for our squad that we're looking to build. Um, So I'm at a point where I'm just excited to get her in. I I know she can contribute in a really meaningful way and and obviously will be um, really motivated to help her reach her goals as well and and get her back into the national team and and make her be a key performer there. She has a long, long career ahead of her if she wants to take advantage of it.
1: I imagine there's a vision. Of course there is, I guess, as you you built this sort of remake of the roster. You brought in Midge Purse as one example, I think another big example. Um, on a mono you just mentioned in, in a trade that, that just kind of I guess just got approved anyway or, or announced um, can you give us an idea of what that sort of hypothetical structure of a lineup looks like in terms of some of these acquisitions I mean if you even can play wide um, I, I guess could be a nine um, I mean what, what can you kind of share in terms of how you see those players sliding in
0: yeah I think that- For us, we certainly added some firepower to our squad, which is something we've been lacking for a while. We want to be exciting. We're going into a a big, beautiful venue in Red Bull Arena, and we want to put on a show for the fans. So for us, um, getting some firepower, bringing in some players that are versatile, adding some quickness to the squad. We got a lot of bite when we added McCall in the midfield. Mm -hmm. Um, I think those are some things we maybe were lacking at Sky Blue, so we filled some of those. Uh, traits that we were looking to fill and now we've got a roster of really versatile players. So um, luckily I don't have to make the formation decisions or, <laughs> or where players are going to go. Um, not my expertise. Um, Take easy way out I it. leave that to Freya. <laughs> um, yep, she's on the line for all of that. Okay. Um, Freya, you, you heard that right. Um, but I think she's got a lot of options now, and, and that's what we want to provide to a coach is, is to make sure that there's options, that there's secondary options, that there's a lot of versatility in the roster, and that every day we have players that want to come in and compete, that want to get sky blue to the playoffs. We, we don't want to go from ninth to eighth place to seventh place. That's that's not uh, that's not growth for us. It's really about getting to the playoffs, being a competitive team, um, and, and being able to get out there and... and, and have an exciting style of soccer that people want to watch, and I think we've heard a lot of mumblings, uh, certainly here in Baltimore, about um, from from coaches, from other soccer fans, even from hearing people talk about hearing from players on other teams that, oh, look at Sky Blue. You know, we've, I think we've got a little bite to us now, yeah. and uh, people have taken notice, and, and that's what we wanted to do.
1: Yeah, and I mean, objectively, it's. I think you know this. It's been a long time since that's been the, the narrative, which is uh, I'm sure exciting for for everybody. Um, well let's talk a little bit about some of the things you are sort of directly overseeing in that sense and maybe less on the technical side but I mean you, you mentioned Red Bull Arena, which um, I think you know I've been like this is 10 years too late <laughs> um, and so you know excited to, to see that that move is made and, and I'm sure um, I, I guess already seeing positive you know in terms of season tickets and that the response to to filling um, mm-hmm. to filling that so what you know in terms of what you've overseen, sort of remake of the club, off the field, um, specific things such as venue, better player accommodations, things like that. But um, but reshaping the image. I mean, what is there something you're most proud of? Maybe I mean, take us kind of inside the life of the the exciting life of being a GM in the NWSL. The
0: the tiring life, I think (laughs) think that was the word you meant to say. Um, Yeah, you know, when I came into the the interim interim general manager role at the beginning of the the 2019 season, um, obviously I had to hit the ground running. Uh, Luckily, I had Tammy Murphy along with me. She she came into the managing director role, so we really went into it as a tandem and just said we're going to look at this club from absolute top to bottom. We're going to turn over every rock. We're going to scour everything and figure out one, what is happening here, and two, how can we improve it? That was really it. And it was about getting a lot of feedback from, from current players, um, from current staff, and, and just understanding the environment. So that was the way Tammy and I approached it very methodically, and it was really just one by one by one, every single item. Now, obviously, for me coming in, Red Bull Arena was always a target. I think I had experienced Rutgers, which is a fantastic venue, a beautiful pitch to play on, But it's certainly, in terms of the standard of the rest of the league, the rest of the league is in professional soccer-specific venues now, and that's the fan experience um, that that folks are expecting now. So I always felt the Red Bull Arena was was the prime target. It is the the best venue in the state of New Jersey, really one of the best in the country. So for me, that was absolutely one of the major targets. But it really was about Tammy and I getting in there, pulling out the weeds, figuring out what was going on, and, and really resetting the table for the entire club. So I can't point to... Uh, you know, maybe one thing that's most exciting, but for me, it's just a composite of uh, the general response from people. That's that's when I feel like we're on the right track. When I start to hear from other people, and certainly being in this uh, um, little microcosm of soccer here in Baltimore, um, I'm seeing so many people and, and so many people I respect from from the soccer industry that are coming up and taking notice of Sky Blue now, and that's really meaningful to me to say that they notice us for the right reasons. This is now a positive conversation. They're really they're really looking out for us. And, and trying to uh, connect with the team, noticing what we're doing, um, and, and, and as well, I, I think I said this earlier in the podcast. But when I have current players that have played for Sky Blue come and um, you know are sending Freya and I texts about how stoked they are for the roster or how happy they are to move to Red Bull Arena, uh, for me as somebody that's worked in women's pro soccer um, for, for quite a while now, uh, that that's really meaningful to me. That feels like we're making progress and, and on the right track. Mm-hmm. But
1: you, you said. You know, going ninth to eighth to seventh is not progress. You know, for you all on on the field, I guess off the field. Um, speaking to some of these things that you've been really working hard on, of um, what does success look like in twenty twenty for you?
0: Yeah, I think that's a, it's a really big question. But um, a lot of that work is obviously done in the off season. So moving to Red Bull Arena, um, you know, hopefully we'll be n- announcing our new training facility in the next week or so. I'm really excited about that. You know, we've really moved all of our team operations uh, further north. We really had been based in Central Jersey. Um, I felt it's important to be uh, closer to that really dense population center that's in North Jersey and New York City. Um, to be at Red Bull Arena where fans have better access to public transportation is really important. I think we've already seen the response. We've more than doubled our season tickets from last year. I've always been really transparent about that. We're at about 550 right now. I have a big goal of getting to a thousand season tickets. I want to break that number. It would absolutely blow away any previous number that Sky Blue had as a club. I know we can get there. Our staff's going to work really hard to bring more people into the fold. Um, so so in terms of success, I think it starts with all of those things we do in the off season to really change the, the facilities and, and the big structural things. Now next for us is the hard work of the staff to get out there in the community. Um, we want the fans to know that this is their club. It is not uh, the club of Elise LeHue or Tammy Murphy um, or even the Sky Blue staff. It is the fans. We, we are just the cogs in the machine to make this happen and be the conduit to the fans. So it's their club. They can build what Sky Blue is going to look like and I want to give it back to them. It, it has to be their say and what they're doing. So. Um, you know, to all of our fans that have stuck around for a very long time, I'm obviously really grateful. A shout out to Cloud Nine who has been with it with us through thick and thin, but also a lot of new fans are coming into the fold and being able to embrace them into our family and and letting them know we we want them to be a part of this and and have a say in the direction we go and what this looks like.
1: I'm wondering, I guess, brief the brief version of Sky Blue and the Spirit. I think going through this evolution, getting out of those, you know. WPS, maybe college, I mean there's more than college, but the venues, as you said, that need to be more professional. And as you shift, both of you are, are shifting sort of within the market to a, a different sort of micro market. Um, I know there's been seen some pushback, I think in the at least in the Twitter echo chamber on a spirit front of the different venues and someone from Maryland doesn't want to go to DC, vice versa. Um, I imagine you had to weigh some of the sacrifice of the central jersey not wanting to come up into the New York mayhem. Um, is it almost a new market in that sense for you, for the team?
0: I think in the sense of that Red Bull provides a, a new public transportation option. So for me, that, that the reason that's really important is that It can attract those fans that are living in New York City that you know don't have a car. Because if you live in New York City, it's would be very odd to have a car, (laughs) realistically. Um, So now we've got all those fans that watch the World Cup that are interested in coming out to games, but couldn't get to Rutgers because it was just you know could take three hours on various types of public transportation to get there. Now we've given them a much easier way to get to us. So the accessibility. Of that I think is really important um, in terms of I think that fan base was there we just weren't really able to bring them into the fold in a meaningful way um, right now um, as we're speaking and obviously this is going to go live later but our um, our adult fantasy camp is going on in, in oh, the city the right now oh, yeah wow. right right now as okay. we speak um, so that's going on. Um, we had over 40 people that signed up for it wow. and I know a lot of people that wanted to go are actually here in Baltimore so the timing wasn't great <laughs> yeah, but this cool. gives us a test run on it. We've got some of our players or their coaching. Okay. Um, so things like that, the ways we can embrace the adult community in New York City, we're going to continue to do things like that that Maybe we could have done before, but it was still really hard for them to get out to games. So they might yeah. engage with us, but not actually come out to the games in a really meaningful way. Now they can come to the adult camps or some of the events we're going to hold, viewing parties, mm-hmm. a, a lot more engagement in the city. Um, and I want to thank Downtown United Soccer Club, who actually gave us the space to do this adult camp and yeah. are sponsoring a happy hour after. Oh, wow. um, so okay. really excited to work with them more. Um, but, so we're grateful to their partnership. Um, and New York Soccer Club as well, who's been a partner of ours through the DA for years. Um, as well. They're, they're based above New York City, so for us moving all our operations north it gives us greater access to interact with them. So, sure. uh, you know, from the youth level to the adult level, now we've got so many more ways um, to meaningfully interact with fans that now have greater accessibility to actually come to the game. so it's mm-hmm. not just a one-off event, but now they can come into the fold, into the fray, become season ticket members, can get to the games, and I think that's an important part of the growth of this club.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to ask you a couple of just sort of wider league questions. as. Uh... You know, a GM, and you've done this at multiple teams, and you've been involved in multiple leagues. Um, hot topic this, this week has been uh, allocation money, which feels like a curse word to me after the, the, the past few days of uh, trying to even mm-hmm. understand it. Um, I imagine, I hope that you better understand it than the public. I'm sure you do. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm shaking my head. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the, the ability to use that, um, which I guess we're publicly still trying to fully define uh, ways to use it, but you've acquired some of that in some of these trades, um, you know, some teams have been semi-open, transparent about chasing some internationals, and we've seen a couple different reports, um, I mean, how do you plan to use that? Is it, is it on, are you looking at big players from internationals, or do you, you try to give it to some of the Americans that need a raise, sure. or you think need a raise, where are you looking to, to use that?
0: Yes, yeah, so we did acquire some allocation money through the, the, through the trades this week, but uh, obviously that 300 k pool was already there. Um, you know, our owners have given us the ability to go and build the roster that we feel we need to build. So uh, it's not to say that I didn't have access to it before. Um, this just now gives me a, a, a set piggy bank of, of dollars um, that I have through these trades to use this year in a really meaningful way. So Frey and I have been looking in the international market, um, we feel really good about our roster right now, but we also recognize that this gives us an opportunity to go out and perhaps obtain players that we couldn't obtain before. So we've absolutely been scouring the international market. I think the timing is really difficult. Um, of it, you know, from the time we knew about the allocation money to even now has not been that long. Maybe right. two months, um, to be fair. So um, it's a really tight time frame. And, and also, as we've seen in Europe, there's a lot of players on long-term contracts. Right. Um, so it can be difficult to break into that on short notice. Um, that's another thing that, that our league, um, in sort of this NWSL 2.0 with some of the player structures, is doing longer contracts so we can right. mimic some of the European contracts that might feel a little more favorable to an international player. Could
1: you use that on a transfer fee? Because the, the, if you have to go get somebody, I mean, maybe you don't want to, I guess, with, with the cost that would be involved, but...
0: I'd, um. I'd have to uh, revert to my handbook <laughs> okay. to double check all, right. all the rules the minute, on yeah, that. I'll ask. A, I'll, uh, no, no, no. It's fine. There. It, it, look, we're we're learning as a as a league as we go through this. Um, this is obviously a new process. You can certainly take some references from MLS and the way right. that they've had allocation money before, but they've, they've broken it down in such unique ways, I couldn't even begin to, to fully understand their process either. So so we're learning as a league in, in terms of the ways that we can we can use these funds. I think the, the short answer is, is yes, through those trade funds. They're, they're sitting there. Um, right. I can use them in a variety of ways, however I want to use them. So in theory, yes, they okay. could be used for a transfer. Um, but but I'll let the league speak to yeah, that, no, the nitty gritty I mean, of that. <laughs> I just
1: wonder. I mean, we just don't see a lot of. I think we are evolving to a place where typically, I mean, even the league, it was always standard one plus one contracts. Mm-hmm. And Now that there are longer term deals, maybe you know, I think in some at some points it's like you know, similar to the men's game. If you want a player, well, go out and get her and mm-hmm. pay the team, and um, which maybe is a little bit farther yeah. away. But I. Sure. Um, I guess real quickly, just on a wider level of the allocation money, how does that change the league dynamics at large?
0: Yeah, I think we've heard murmurs already of some pretty big-name players um, that other teams are targeting. They wouldn't have been accessible before under you know previous structures where we had a limitation on how much you could spend on a player. Obviously, the, the max salary has gone to to 50,000, which is a nice number, but still for some of the top, top players around the world, if you want to bring them in, that's not going to get you there. So being able to tap into that allocation fund um, of essentially $300,000 gives you really a pretty broad range of options in in the women's game. You know, we don't have a lot of millionaire players out there right now. So um, it's a big pool of funds to bring in at least a big name player, if not a couple internationals. And I think this season may be a little bit slower again because the ramp time was so short but i think as we look to future seasons and we're looking further out in terms of uh, players contracts that are going to be expiring over the next couple of years obviously it's an olympic year so a lot of players i think are also going to want to stay closer to home with their national teams mm-hmm. once we get out of the championship cycle here and have sort of two off years i think you're going to see a greater propensity for some international players to come into our game mm-hmm.
1: um and i asked we had tori huster on uh, something recorded yesterday so if you are listening to this one look for look for that and among others from uh, podcast row here but um you know she was talking about being late in her career wanting to she's president of the players association now and wanting to make decisions that you know she's had an eight-year career in this league anyway um make decisions that are good for the next eight years um, of players and, and asked her kind of you know what to her is is that vision and um i I'm wondering, from your end, as someone who's, um, you know, in in some of these board meetings and, and a part of that puzzle of making bigger, wider decisions, uh, or at least influencing them. Um, I mean, what what do you think? I know a loaded, sort of wide question here, but um, you know, I wonder, kind of what for you needs to be done, or maybe priority for this league in eight years to be sustainable. Maybe is a too general a to word, but you know in a much better place and continuing to grow and, and maybe thrive in the
0: that is a very big question yeah. that you threw out there i want to um start by just saying a, a big thank you to the work of the players association i think yael's done an incredible job obviously brooke elby's come in now as a co-director and they do tremendous work um i'm certainly eager to continue conversations yael's somebody that i have spoken with at length through this process at sky blue it's been really important to me to hear from players, whether it's direct or indirect. Um, I, I've always been really straightforward with uh, our own players at Sky Blue that my door is open. We want to hear from you. It's 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 necessary, so I know what work needs to be done. Um, obviously, in those exit interviews this year, took a lot of that content and it's driven the direction of, of what we're doing as a club 100%. Um, but also Yael on the other side being able to go to her as a representative of the players through the association and and talk to her about uh, conditions and standards and what that should look like so I I really lean on the players association as well for content and I'm excited about the work that Yael and Brooke are doing and and the rest of the players association like Tori. Um, So I think it's a big question you posed but the players association also is going to continue to evolve in this process and the closer that we can work together between them and the league, I think the better the understanding we're going to have of the players' desires, needs, uh, what's going to help them to be the best professionals they can be. And remember, all of this helps our national team. It you know, has the potential to help some other national teams as well right. as we bring more internationals into the fray. But what's good for the game is good for the game. So um, I think over the next eight years, um, and certainly with the potential for a new commissioner coming into the league this year, Um, we're really seeing the evolution of the NWSL. Obviously, it took about eight years to get to a point where we really dug into player salaries and made a big, dramatic move in regards to player salaries and allocation money and housing and some of the things that we can do there. Um, This is a good stepping stone as we continue to evolve as a league. So the more we can keep open these conversations about what the players need, want, what's going to help them be the best players that they can be, um, I think that's what's going to propel this league forward. But also the more cross-pollination we have, and I've been really strong about saying that. I spent a year working in the WNBA, and I I call it my gap year, but I went there to learn. It was, for me, an opportunity to learn from a league that's been around for much longer than women's soccer has as a professional league in the U.S., um, and was able to take a lot of things from that experience back to now my role in the NWSL, but with that historic CBA that the WNBA just launched, um, that takes incredible work and collaboration amongst league office owners, players... Mm -hmm. Um, I'm so inspired by what, what they've done with that. And I think us as a league, we're going to continue to look to other leagues and other groups and even what the U.S. Women's National Team is doing. Um, if we continue to take from each other, we're going to find ways to not only propel the NWSL forward, but really women's sports as a whole.
1: Yeah, I get, I get the sense. Um, I think more than ever now, as frustrating as some things are, um, the, the worries and maybe even complaints are a little bit different than before. They're not so much... Existential of wondering where the league or a team will be, in general terms, I guess, but more so, like, why aren't we doing something better? Or, you know, why isn't this, you know, a little bit, why isn't this done in a, in a better way? So, um, I guess that's an evolution in mm-hmm. itself.
0: Yeah. I, I don't think there's anybody around the league, owners, staff, otherwise, that doesn't want to see this continue moving forward. I, yeah. And I, I don't mean to say something so naive, but I feel like it has to be said. Everybody wants to see this progress. I think everybody wants to um, figure out what's the best way to create a sustainable league that has good parity, um, you know, so we don't end up with just two teams that are smashing everybody. Um, we've got parity. Well, yeah. North Carolina's it's done been, a pretty good yeah, job sometimes. To um, but, that but the games bit. are competitive, yeah. um, and we want to keep things competitive. And I, I think that's a big consideration as we look to the future is, is you know, keeping our league competitive from top to bottom, providing the best conditions, um, but also having a sustainable league. And, and, and I say that word, it's obviously big and meaningful. As somebody that has to drive the revenue for a club, I take a big responsibility in that, um, and I take it very seriously, um, And understanding the finances of each club and what that looks like. And, and there's certainly no owners that come into this thinking they're going to make money. They come into this knowing that they're right. going to lose a pretty hefty amount every year. So it's figuring out how to both uh, increase the standards for the players, provide more money for them, provide better conditions, but also be a fiscally responsible league and clubs. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a balance between that. And I hope that we can grow together. As we grow revenues, I think that's gonna go right back into uh, better conditions and better standards for the players. So um, it's on all of us to continue to raise that bar and to drive more revenue into the league. And I think we're at a crossroads now where we're starting to do that and putting the investment back into the players.
1: And you brought something up. I wanted to ask you really quickly: um, the WNBA, the new CBA. I guess a lot of details that people can look up and maybe have heard about already. But um, you've had experience in both, you know, leagues and, and uh, maybe a, there's a, a shout out here to, to your newsletter. You can you can <laughs> give. Um, but you know, is, is there much communication that you know of at the moment between? I mean, we see kind of some public space of, hey, we saw what they're doing, we saw what they're doing. But is there like any sort of formal bouncing of ideas, communication between leagues and that you're aware of anyway, or teams even at a team level?
0: I'll be really honest in that I think it's very limited, and I think part of that is a lot of us get stuck with our heads down and you're just trying to to chug through and and get done what you need to get done um, with a relatively small staff. So it's been really important for me. Again, I use the word cross pollination, but you know, we, we like to do a lot of co-promos with with local teams. When I was in Chicago, we did it with the sky. um, Now here at sky blue, we do it with the Liberty um, in New York of the WNBA. We also do it with the NWHL women's hockey league with the Riveters um, that are in our state. So I think it's so important that we promote each other um, and, and, I'm sure you've heard of the nonprofit. She Is. It's really about promoting all women's sports. And, and they actually have been a great facilitator in getting us to work together in a lot of ways. And I, and I really appreciate them for that and the work that they do. Um, so, And I've got another team really close to me. Amber Cox is, is up in Connecticut with the Sun. Um, you know, She's an incredible resource too. But I think we need to work together more absolutely yep. say that we, we just need to work together more because there's so many lessons we're all you know fighting individual battles but there's so many so many similarities between right. the two that it's it's mandatory that we talk to each other and um, I, I would like to see more of it I hope I can be a catalyst to driving more of those conversations as somebody that's worked in both leagues and Amber has as well she right. was with Houston for a year um, so, I think uh, more of us that can be the catalyst to drive those conversations is, is going to be really important. And um, thank you for mentioning a newsletter. Yeah, it goes out every Wednesday. It's, uh, uh, out. it's called Women by Sport. Um, it's uh, Um You can go and sign up. It's it's free to sign up. It goes out every Wednesday. And for me, it was I'm always looking for women's sports business news. Um, I mm-hmm. also am an adjunct instructor. Yeah. Um, so, I, I teach a sports business class, and the content is a tr- 99.5% uh, male content and men's sports and what's happening in men's sports leagues and I was so frustrated by the textbook that I was using. I was trying to find ways to Threw engage. It out. <laughs> I, I, I won't say that it's a nice textbook. I just uh, it had such limited content on women's sports and a lot of it was wrong. So I had to. I kept a list of all the things that were wrong to send to the authors. Okay. Um, unfortunately, the book was just revised, so now it has to be fixed again. Oh,
1: um, I don't know if I want you. to... I gotta give I, you a I copy of my. Book I won't because.
0: mention the book. <laughs> um, I, luckily, there's another women's sports book that just came out, which I'm really excited to dig into. Okay. Um So super stoked about that. But. Um, Um, yeah, I think it came about just from my own experiences and I was looking around going, how do I find women's sports business news? You know, I I love hearing about the players and some of those things, but for me as an executive, I'm interested in the financial side and the marketing side and all of those elements. So I put the newsletter together, uh, launched it. Over a thousand people are following and I'm really glad. I thought maybe, you know, 50 people might show up and find it interesting and I was cool with that, um, (laughs) but been pleased with the response. And um, yeah, that goes out every Wednesday um, just with uh, content and articles from around the league. But I will say, um, obviously, you know, with you being with the Equalizer and the work that you've done in women's sports as well, it's important that you get clicks. Um, so I, I can't say that enough and uh, I think we um, fail to recognize too that when women, when we put out women's sports articles, if they don't get clicks, uh, you know, those reporters aren't going to probably be allowed mm-hmm. to cover women's right. sports anymore. So I also see the newsletter as a way to get more clicks on that content because it can be hard to find um, right. some of that content out there. So if uh, fans of women's sports um can actually click the content i think uh, i hope it helps to rise all the tides in terms of the coverage yeah
1: yeah thank you i appreciate that and we'll put a we'll put a link in the show episode here and i guess on the the website when we're on the, on com. so uh what you can't see because you're listening and not watching us is that um well it's not it's not snowing yet but we've got a big snowstorm coming um Elise has informed me that she said get her cat and get home from the
0: babysitter from the baby yep, babysitter my, uh, and, Simon's and, uh... at the babysitter I also uh, I hope you can put this in the article as well um, yeah there is the most amazing picture of a poodle in oh, front of us that okay. I've been staring okay. at all podcast <laughs> and I want everybody to see what I've been looking at this real? whole show I, I it's, oh, it's you'll a... be amazed at how uh, composed I've been with this in front of me it looks like it's a it's a statue. there's is. a little girl looking up at it. That's, yeah, sorry guys, it's not real. There's yeah. not a real poodle in the convention hall, but uh, <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, Jeff's can... going to post this I'll for get a you picture, so you can yeah. see. I'll get a
1: picture and um, yeah. So we're both headed north and, and uh, hopefully getting there safely. So um, I, we're going to wrap this up. So thank you for for listening, folks. Um, we're here. Another shout out um, to Podcast Row United Soccer Coaches for setting this up again, um, which is a really cool ability to to bring folks like Elise. You know we're all kind of in the same place for a few days, um, and thank you for for coming on. I think you probably, I know you're exhausted. You probably repeated yourself a hundred times about <laughs> uh, what what Sky Blue's been doing uh, this week and this off season. So as long uh, as it's
0: uh, all been positive, I'm happy to keep talking. <laughs> I'm I'm good with it. I'll keep this going. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you again for coming on, and uh, we'll we'll keep in touch uh, as the season the season comes.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it.